on 96.7 on your FM dial, you are listening to CKLU. The program is QOL, or Quality of Life. As you know, uh, we do speak about all things uh, that are involved in quality of life. Food, drink, for one, uh, certainly food. And this is a program about food, uh, particularly about, you know, I've done uh, reviews of cookbooks before. This is not a review. This is a conversation about a cookbook that's doing some good. Well, all cookbooks do good, but this one does specific good, specifically to the hospitality industry, the the people who are involved in it, both the restaurateurs, the wait staff, uh, both front and back of house. Dara Sutton, you tell us what... What you've done? So uh, I've partnered with the co-founder of a nonprofit called Not Nine to Five, which helps support uh, education for mental health for people who work in the food and hospitality industry. And we worked with a bunch of chefs and food writers across Canada. Really, we have uh, some from the East Coast, some from Quebec, as well as Ontario, and they've all submitted recipes for a collaborative cookbook that completely. Uh, downloadable by donation, and 100% of the proceeds will go to the nonprofit organization. No, we'll discuss some of the mechanics of that because, uh, but I want to identify that you are a food stylist. Now, I'm assuming that the pictures in this cookbook must be absolutely fantastic. They are. I I think they're quite beautiful. So I primarily work as a food stylist. I did work as a chef uh, when I lived across the pond in the UK. I was working as a pastry chef, but I now primarily work as a food stylist, so essentially I make pictures look beautiful. I cook all the food, and so I styled all of the recipes in the cookbook, and everyone donated their time, so the food photographers, the prop stylist, uh, my assistant, and all the food was also sponsored uh, by a couple places in Toronto, and so yeah, we created some really beautiful, kind of eye-catching photos, and my goal for, for the photography in the book was that I really wanted it to be, you know, colorful and bright and happy because, you know, the proceeds are going to a nonprofit that covers quite a serious topic. I mean, mental health is, is very um, kind of apt right now. And so I, I wanted the book to kind of, you know, emote some sort of, you know, happiness. And I wanted people to look at it and think, wow, these are, you know, beautiful photos and colorful and I really want to make the food. Well the cover is delightful. I mean I had breakfast and I looked at the cover and I went oh I could eat a slice of that. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually had a uh, an illustrator who uh, did the cover as well as the kind of page dividers the section dividers and she's extremely talented and you know again I worked really closely with uh, the and the illustrator to create this kind of unique looking cookbook. I find that I, I've worked on a lot of cookbooks um, in my kind of career so far, and I find a lot of the cookbooks look the same. They all kind of have this generic style to them, and I really wanted this to feel a bit different. And so I think we achieve, really achieved that by creating these, you know, really colorful, illustrated page dividers and covers. Yes, you certainly did. Uh, so I must not be looking at the cover. I don't know. My the picture I found on the web was was a, 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 a some kind of beautiful pie cut up into beautiful slices and spaced out in a way that you know nobody does unless they're actually a food stylist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, the goal is definitely as a food stylist to make the food look as natural as possible. I really wanted the food to look as though it kind of already been you know eaten slightly you kind of started to dig in or 
or ready to. to. Yeah, we're ready to. You really want to, you eat with your eyes. Of course you do first. Uh, And it's got to have a slight gloss to it. I mean, that's part of the attraction. Now, let's go deeper into the, uh, you've, you've, been around this industry, you've worked in this industry, you're you're still, uh, you know, essential part of it. You know, working not nine to five is, is a very tough place to play. Your friends come home, they take off their shoes, they put their feet up, or they, they come to a restaurant, and our job starts. Yeah. And yeah. It, it changes everything, doesn't it? It's complete, it's a different lifestyle. I mean, I, I, when I worked in kitchens, I was working the, I was a pastry chef, so I was working the very early morning shifts. I was there at about four in the morning. And, you know, it, it is a, an adjustment and it, it can be very taxing, I think, not just physically, but mentally. And I recognize, and I've recognized for a long time that working in the food industry, I mean, I don't think a lot of people stop to think and appreciate how much effort and how challenging it can be to work in this industry. And even now as a food stylist, I work in, you know, in more normal hours, but I am still on my feet 12 hours a day. Can you uh, describe, can you describe, you know, I mean, there's 12, 12 hours. What actually does a food stylist do beyond making it look pretty? I mean, there's there's so much to think about, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of um, organization before the actual photo shoot. So I work on a lot of photo photographers or videographers so a lot of it is you know organizing getting all the groceries uh preparing all the food cleaning cooking like you're kind of a jack of all trades in that sense that you're doing multiple jobs at once so it can be quite demanding uh you're also trying to appease the client so you know you're trying to create something that looks beautiful but that you know multiple people might have opinions on so it can be it can be very rewarding, but it can also be very challenging, and it's it's exhausting. I mean, it's definitely better than working, you know, than late night shifts, in my opinion. But <laughs> you know, I, I feel very lucky that I was able to transition and pivot into this industry, where a lot of people, I think, what happens is when you're working in food, you kind of get stuck working in food because you're you form this community, and it's an amazing community. But if there isn't the support for you know, for each other and understanding that some people might be suffering a little bit more with their mental health or they don't feel as good about themselves, then, you know, it it can be very lonely. Uh, And, you know, you go to your job and there is that sense of community in the kitchen, but, you know, when you go home, you might feel a little bit out of touch from what the rest of your friends might be doing. Well, back of house certainly should come together as a team and front of house too, but often front of house work very independently. Although I've been rereading Jen Ag's book, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes, so what, what's the actual title? Um, uh, I hear she's a real bitch. I don't yeah. know if you've read it. It's, it's, it's a difficult insight into a world that many of us, including myself, dropped into out of necessity. It's a place to find work. We'll talk about that in another moment. We'll return to it, I'm sure. I just want to go back to the food stylist. Where does one Where does one learn how to become a food stylist except for looking at others' beautiful work and, and being inspired by others? And I mean, do you go to a, a, a program? Do you, how do you, or do you just have a, a natural flair for it? So I think there are a couple ways of going about it. I wasn't really aware that it was even a 
a career, to be honest. Uh, when I was working in, in the restaurant industry, I, I was exhausted. I wasn't, I was kind of, I'd reached my, my creative max. Like there wasn't, when you're making things on repetition every day, it, it can be challenging. And I think I was looking for something different. And I actually kind of fell upon this job uh, by, you know, meeting somebody who worked in the industry and I assisted them for a while and then that kind of turned into me it, it was like a snowball effect I sort of an apprenticeship yeah an apprenticeship uh, where I you know made some connections in other parts of the industry and that kind of took on its, a life of its own but I do know that there are some food styling courses that you can take I know George Brown has one I, I'm not entirely sure what they teach you because I in my opinion, food styling is an extension of cooking. And if you know how to mm-hmm. cook, and if, you're, if you've worked in kitchens and you're very organized, then you are probably going to be a good food stylist if you have that kind of creative eye for making something look beautiful. And it does take a lot of patience, and uh, I'd say it's not for everybody, but um, I've had a lot of chefs contact me and ask, you know, should I move into food styling? And I'm like, well... You know, this is exactly what it is, because it sounds a lot more glamorous than... But we're all food styling today, if you think about it, too, Dara. Sure. Everybody I mean, has an iPhone or an yeah. Android or whatever, so everybody... <laughs> we're all being inspired, and it's true. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I tend to think, you know, I... I I did some plates. Sometimes I like to plate everything. Sometimes I like to do it family style. But, of course, in these times, I mean, we're not doing any of those things in most cases. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're opening a can of beans and, and uh, yeah. you know, doing it on our own home sourdough bread that we've toasted. But, you know, Dara, when it comes to plating at home, I really do think we've upped the game. We we put things, we, we stack things, we layer things, we put colors together that maybe didn't go together before. We think about the plate, we think about how things are arranged. Don't you think our quality of life has been improved vastly? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the the idea of cooking from home, which is kind of where I got the, the title for the book, like a mm-hmm. lot of people are working from home Maybe they're a little bit more attentive to what they're putting into their bodies. They're spending a little bit more time cooking. You know, sourdough bread became a huge, you know, hugely popular thing to make during quarantine. And so I think, you know, people are stepping up their game for sure. And that's kind of what I wanted this book to, you know, inspire people to try something different. The recipes in the book are extremely diverse. They're from an incredible group of chefs and food writers and, they might have ingredients that, you know, maybe you wouldn't normally cook or make at home or purchase from the store. So I really wanted the, the book to inspire people to get creative and, you know, look at the, the picture of the food that we've created and either try and replicate it or try and make your own kind of flair on it. So I think we've done a good job so far. It's, uh, it's had a really good response, and I'm, I'm very happy with it. Well, you've come along at a very interesting time. Let's face it, the average Canadian, or maybe, maybe I, I don't know, the average Canadian, we'll call it the average Canadian, didn't know the name of chefs, nor care in most cases, nor did, mm-hmm. nor did the restaurants promote them. But today, I think you and I, although we might be, because of our foodie nature, be able to identify either restaurants or the chefs that work in them. We can talk about Mark Lapine in Ottawa. We can talk about Mark McEwen and Jamie Kennedy, and we can talk. We know these names now. 
Canada has evolved immensely. I really uh, tried hard to collect recipes from chefs who maybe didn't have that same exposure that some of the big names have. Uh, There are so many people that work in the restaurant industry that deserve credit. Oh, absolutely. Your, Your neighborhood restaurant, the restaurant down the street, the neighborhood in the neighborhood next to yours, just on the edge yes. that's just a little further to walk to, or the one that you have to drive to on Manitoulin Island or, or mm-hmm. somewhere in Prince Edward the County. I mean, we do pursue these things now, don't we? Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to, you know, give these chefs an opportunity for themselves as well, their name out there, and, you know, have people try their food like I got cut off. No, it's, I think it was on my end. I apologize. We're having some technical difficulties here, folks, but we've resolved them now, I think. Uh, uh, Dara, we were talking about unsung chefs. Uh, there's a, a more than that. There's a whole crew, a whole team of people who work in the back who we never celebrate. Yes. You know, we see our favorite wait staff. We, we might even know them by name. But we don't know the people in the back of house. This is... And that can be challenging, I think, for somebody who might... You know, working in the hierarchy of kitchens can be challenging. And it takes a while to kind of work your way up. And I think that's kind of where I can tie, you know, not nine to five into this, is that people who maybe really want to be a sous chef or a head chef, or they want to work their way up, or... They, you know, are working, you know, 14-hour days, but they're, they feel like they're not getting that recognition. I really, I wanted this to kind of help people understand that they're, they're not alone and, and that it can be challenging, but there is a community there to support you. And it's really important to kind of lean into looking for help if you need to talk and, if you are, feel like you are by yourself in some situation, that there there are resources out there for you. Well, let's face it, you, you did identify early on that your community becomes the community of people who you work with often. They're the people you might even party with or the people, mm-hmm. well, not in these times, but uh, you leave the, uh, it's not an office, it's, it's a workspace, you're on your feet. And you come home, when do you eat when you're in the industry? That's another challenge. Your whole circadian rhythm is is completely different. Yeah, and a lot of people, I, I know it's a very common question for people to ask chefs, like, what do you cook at home? Like, oh. You must be exhausted. <laughs> you know, like, what are, you, what are you making when you, when you get home after a, a long day? And to be honest, you know, I, I do love cooking and entertaining. Obviously, right now it's not possible, but... I think it's really important, even for people who work in the industry, to to take time to nourish yourself properly and and eat well because uh, you know healthy healthy body, healthy mind. Like you are what you eat, and if you come home and you know you're just kind of having a little snack, you're so you're having a bag of chips for dinner. Like that's not going to no not going to help. I guess. Especially and, not those ketchup potato chips or yeah, barbecue. <laughs> you know, it's really important to eat well. And uh, I also really wanted the book to, you know, provide recipes that were of comfort, but also recipes that were healthy or, you know, some were indulgent, some are on the healthier side. But, you know, it's all about eating everything in moderation and eating a balance. 
uh, diet. I, I worked with them. Very, very good for you. I worked with a lady who, who ultimately did retire. And I remember she used to bring a banana and a granola bar, uh, one, one for the beginning of shift and one for sort of mid midstream. And yeah. when she retired, she said, I never want to eat another granola bar or another banana yeah. ever in my life. But it was the only thing. It was quick. It was it was easy. And, and maybe that's what what wait staff and back of house at the end of their shift wanted something easy. You can't. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, sometimes we're too tired. Like sometimes I'm too tired and I have, you know, toast for dinner and, and that's totally okay. But I think understanding that uh, sometimes you need to, you know, fuel your body with the right foods. It'll, it'll make your, your day kind of a little bit better because you're feeling better. Mm. Now, uh, I've read even perhaps even in today's Globe and Mail, I think it was, where, because uh, I get, let's face it, a lot of us get confused a little bit too because the days of the week are, are a little muddled yeah. and everything. Yeah. 10,000 restaurants across Canada have already closed their doors. We tend to think only about the owners who are were affected by this because of their investment, but there's a whole crew of people, including even food suppliers, who are in, <laughs> they're impacted by this. There's a real chain reaction when a restaurant uh, closes, obviously. You know, there's the, the suppliers of the food, there's the employees. Like, it, it, it goes beyond just, as you said, the owner of the restaurant. And I think for so many people, you know, having lost their jobs over the past nine, ten months has been exceptionally hard for for many people. And I really wanted to help Not 9 to 5 kind of get the recognition in the sense that they have the resources that can help. And so people uh, people can go to their website and make perhaps a donation. Go to their website, uh, yep. There's so much more we can do even on a local level. Uh, you know, perhaps providing a good tip if you do even takeout. Provide... Yep. Takeout. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep, ordering directly from the restaurant and going to pick it up as opposed to using one of the uh, services. services. Because they take a very large uh, cut. Yeah, there, there's the twenty percent right there. Give it to the yeah. restaurant instead of Give it to, to the restaurant. Exactly. <sighs> so yeah, you can do your part by you know purchasing gift cards to restaurants or uh, ordering takeout maybe once a week if you can afford to. Um, you know, I think ultimately we are hoping that we will be able to uh, set up some sort of fund for the cookbook so that we can provide the book free of charge to people who work in the industry who maybe want to um, want to have a copy. So, uh, you know, we're, we're working on a couple things for, for the people who actually, you know, are putting, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into the meals that you are picking up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, there have been many cookbooks launched during this time. Um, I was mm. thinking about the Atomic Comics group uh, out in, in Vancouver, who did a cookbook, their employees did one in aid of a, a, a food, um, a local food provider for, uh, for children, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's so much that can be done. Let's talk, we talked about restaurants closing. Have you in your world, you're in Toronto, if I understand correctly. I am. Yes. Have you noticed restaurants opening? So I have, which is, you know, there there's a, a bright side to the, the pandemic, I guess, that, you know, some people have taken advantage of, 
this opportunity to maybe break away from the restaurant that they were working at and start their own business, which is incredible. Uh, one of the chefs from our uh, cookbook, uh, Jill Barber, who provided a really delicious chocolate cake recipe. Uh, she's a pastry chef. Now, is that the one that's in the uh, in the Globe and Mail? It is. So she actually opened up her own pastry shop uh, downtown, and it's doing exceptionally well. They have, you know, lineups at the door and around the block every, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday that she's open. And she's kind of a one-woman show at the moment, and uh, she business is good. And, you know, I think when people see the good that's coming out of, you know, the community kind of bonding together and helping people, uh, they are willing to support them. And, and that's great. And in any way that you can, if you can go and support somebody who started a business uh, during this really difficult time, then that's incredible. I now, know. her place her place sounds like the early Dufflet Rosenberg, if you remember. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. We, we really didn't have pastry places. I mean, Just Desserts had opened in 80-something or other. We didn't have places to go. We've got a, a, a diversity, including a lot of uh, what we used to call ethnic food, but street food as well. We've, we, again, I go back to that theme. Canada has, and Toronto specifically, has become... But, I mean, it could be Saskatoon or Regina or, or Moose Jaw. We've all evolved so much, not just in terms of desserts, of course, but... but diversity in cuisine. <laughs> We're a diverse country, aren't we? Yeah, very, very. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, the book, I think, really does provide a good uh, glimpse of, you know, the diversity of the cuisines in Canada because we have, you know, we've got kimchi pancakes and we've got fried rice with chicken, and, you know, we've got some Italian dishes, we've got some, uh, we've got a rosemary soca, we've got some rum chicken, which is kind of a riff on jerk chicken. So we've, we've got a really uh, diverse collection of recipes, which provides a really good um, picture of, of the chefs and of the cuisines that, that we're, we have access to, which is pretty incredible. Now, some of the people I've been speaking to in the industry have said, you know, here in Northern Ontario, it's just a two-week shutdown. In Southern Ontario, it's four weeks. But some people have said to me, hey, I normally close during January for a few weeks anyways. I'm going to do some renovations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great attitude, but, um, you know, how much longer, how much more can industry and, and all of us take? Yeah. Oof. I, wa- yeah, I want to but- start inviting chefs in to, to cook at home again, and we're not doing that even. You know, it's interesting, like I, as a freelancer, I uh, I am going to be back at work, um, and so I, I feel very lucky that, you know, I am working in the food industry, and I do my, I'm trying to do my part to, you know, purchase from smaller independent grocery stores uh, to su- support small businesses, and so I'm, I'm thinking about the way that I'm working in a very different way mm-hmm. than maybe I did 10 months ago. Well, I know I was doing something with chorizo recently, and I, I actually looked around to see who was making chorizo locally, who who I could find who had a smoker, or who had, who. why would I buy mushrooms off the grocery shelf when I know that there are local producers of mushrooms? Why would yeah. I buy little potatoes that are being brought from goodness knows where when I know their potatoes just, well, they're in friends' gardens for one, but... Yeah. Well, and I think that's very important for people to understand that this goes beyond just restaurants. Uh, this also extends to, you know, people who have small uh, grocery stores or fine foods or their suppliers of, 
you know, one specific product. It is really helpful to small businesses if you can shop local and if you can purchase things from farmers markets. Like it's, it's, you know, extremely important, especially right now, mm-hmm. um, to purchase things from, you know, from people and from families. So L- local butchers. Local people exactly. who have raised, go and meet the people. Well, of course, we can't right now, but online you could meet the people who grow lamb yeah. or, or pork or, 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 or goat. I had goat last night from raised by a 12-year-old. <laughs> it makes such a difference, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there are things out there. There are, you know, like not meal kits, but boxes that you can order where you're supplied, you know, fresh meat or fish. Mm-hmm. If you can't, if you don't have access to go to the store, uh, you know, a lot of stores are doing curbside pickups, but taking advantage of, of these, you know, adjustments that the shops and restaurants have made, I think is really important. And it's, you know, something small that you can do that will make a really big difference in somebody else's life. Mm. Well, Dara Sutton, I, I, I'm a chef, uh, cookbook, uh, coordinator, uh, uh, food stylist. Uh, remind us again the organization that this cookbook is benefiting. So the organization is called Not Nine to Five. That's not nine to five dot org, and that's the website. And they provide uh, education and resources uh, surrounding mental health for people who work in the restaurant and hospitality industry. And how do we find your cookbook again? You can find the cookbook at www.cookingfromhomethebook.com, and if you follow the prompt. Uh, to purchase the book, you can enter in uh, whatever donation uh, you you feel. We had suggested a donation of twenty five dollars, but obviously, you know, these are difficult times, and if you, you can't purchase for that, uh, whatever you can would be amazing. Uh, it's a completely clickable, downloadable PDF that works on tablets and on computers. And uh, yeah, we're we're really excited. We are we're closing in on fifteen thousand dollars, so we're we're very excited with uh, the response so far that the book has received. That's marvelous. And and if a hundred people donate twenty dollars instead of twenty five, that's better than five people donating twenty five. And uh, yeah. you know, it, the numbers do make a difference. The the value. If you're perhaps a former chef or chef retired, you're. You're, you've worked in the industry and moved on to something else and you feel you can support this uh, this book, this program, please do step up. And for all those who've eaten in restaurants, uh, <laughs> we all have, but this is a great opportunity to show your support as well. Dara Sutton, thank yeah. you so much for being with us today. On, on thank you Q- so much for having me. It's been a delight. Dara, we look forward to seeing your work uh, and I will watch, although I bet you your name's hidden on so many projects. Yeah. There in the fine print. <laughs> in the fine print. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. This is Hugh Cruzel, and the program is, of course, QOL on CKLU 96.7. You can listen on Thursdays at 6 o'clock or anytime around the world 24 7, 365. Just go to my podcast. Just Google my name, Hugh Cruzel, and the word podcast. It's available for you at your convenience. Bye for now, folks.